Welcome to the official It's All Dead podcast. The music is dead. Long live the music. Welcome to the official It's All Dead podcast. This is podcast number four. My name is Kyle Hawk, and I'm here with Sir Kyle Schultz, coming live Howdy. to you from Chicago. How are you doing tonight? Pretty good. It sucks a bag up here, though, weather-wise. Yeah. The, well, this... this is the only. It's the only day of the week they're like, it's going to be 50 degrees. And then Jesus himself is like, yeah, instead of enjoying that, how about pea soup fog, 20 degrees, and freezing rain? Oh, man, that sucks, dude. So, well, no good. Here in Indy, we've had our first day above freezing for like the whole year, um, and it's really dreary, but we'll take it. So yeah, um, we might as well hop into the main topic. The reason we are having this emergency podcast um, is because this week, the big news, Skate and Surf Festival announced the majority of their lineup for this year's festival in May, and the two big names on it um, were Midtown and Seosin, uh, Seosin featuring Anthony. Anthony Green, um, as it says, which are two monstrous reunions that people kind of thought might happen, but nobody was really for sure. And so that happened and it kind of took everyone by storm. So what was your response to seeing that? Well, I've never really followed Seosin that much. I just kind of know the basics about them. But um, the fact that Anthony Green is willing to come back and is he just doing like a, he's doing the full show with them, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah, just the fact he's willing to come back and uh, ham it out with him, like, that's really cool for fans who've been with it for uh, so long. Like, they've had a really hardcore fan base since they began. Like, I remember hearing about them in, like, 2003 or so. I never paid attention to them, but um, just they've had a really firm fan base since they just started up, and this is kind of like a love letter to anyone that stuck around with them. Yeah, definitely. And so here's the hard thing. Um, as you know, and um, if you read our website, you probably get the idea. Seosin is, um, if not my favorite band, my second favorite band. It just kind of depends on the day. But I, I, all that to say, I love Seosin. I've been into them since pretty much the beginning. Um, and not this week, but the week prior, I wrote an article for It's All Dead called um, Whatever Happened to Seosin. And it was based around um, the idea of how they've kind of been so mysterious for like four years now. Um, they tweeted out a couple weeks ago, a pulse dot, dot, dot. And that was it, which isn't anything too shocking if you're a Seosin fan, because for the past four years, uh, since they kicked Cove out of the band, they've basically been hinting like, Oh, we've got some songs. Oh, you just wait. Oh, like about, you know, once every six months, they'll just say something like really mysterious, but not ever give any information. So the whole article was about like, okay, like, we're used to it at this point. Like we really want you to release music, but we're totally at the point where we don't think that you're probably ever going to do it. Um, and then of course they, they made this announcement, which sent me into euphoria for a couple hours. I was on cloud nine <laughs> because my favorite band was back, but at 4 PM that day, uh, Monday, um, property of Zach ran an interview with Chris, Chris Sorensen, the bass player in which he basically confirmed yeah, we're going to do this one show at Skate and Surf, and then we're done. And um, that was hard to swallow um, because they had hinted that they had 14 songs written and, um, you know, they were in the studio. And um, basically the whole interview kind of broke it down. Like, yeah, we just never could really work it out. So we're going to do one last show with Anthony and call it good. So for everyone that waited so long for all this new music to happen, it didn't. 
we get one show, which is better than nothing, I guess. But it's still, I'm still pretty bummed out about it. Yeah, it's just kind of a shame they can't like work anything out. Kind of like the Beatles. It's just if nothing else, put out an album and don't even tour for it. Just have it there for the people who want it. Right. I, and I mean, I, in that article, I proposed a couple different things. Um, one of them, and this is still, this is one of my favorite ideas ever. And I, if the band is listening, they should contact me because I feel like this would be really good for them. Like this would make them a lot of money. So here's the deal. They go out on tour again. Cove is the lead singer for the first half of their set. And they sing the songs from his era and then they leave the stage and then they come back out with Anthony Green. And then they play Anthony's songs and then that's the end of it. And they could even put out an EP like four songs or six songs, like half with Cove, half with Anthony. And then everybody is happy. Like it's, it's the perfect idea. And every single one of those shows would sell out. I would feel like, but yeah, that'd be really cool. But, uh, we, we dream big, don't we? <laughs> yeah, we do. And so speaking of bands who are getting back together for one show at skate and surf Midtown, um, which I know, um, you're a fan of, and I've, uh, you know, I, I enjoy Midtown. I kind of missed out on it, um, but I, I understand that this is a big deal. Um, so give me your thoughts on that. Yeah, uh, Midtown, they were really big in drive throughs golden years, like in 2002 or so, and uh, Living Well is the Best Revenge is still one of my favorite albums that they've ever put out. And uh, they've been gone for about a decade now, I believe, and uh, having them back together is really crazy, especially with the uh, success Gabe Supporters has since starting um, Cobra Starship. Yeah. I mean, Sorry, I lost all my words for a brief second. <laughs> no, that's all right. I So here's the funny thing. I feel like a lot of people just, a lot of Midtown fans just like hate Gabe support his guts, but they really want to see Midtown get back together at the same time. Like, do you feel like that's a a thing <laughs> a, a little bit yeah well the thing is um midtown themselves were a pretty legit like punk band for the time and then when they quit he pretty much quit that scene and started up you know cobra starship which is more or less just standard pop play uh it got rid of everything that midtown had it was a completely different direction and he's had crazy success with it where like he's uh, topping the charts and everything like that and the rest of the band has just fallen off to the wayside. And, and I think a lot of the people that supported Midtown, uh, it's just such a different direction from anything they'd ever wanted to see from anyone from that band that I think they just kind of got really upset with it. And honestly, it's not really in the same scenes that, but uh, they were, who were they with? They were with uh, Fuel by Ron, weren't they? Yeah. I mean, it kind of works out for like the Fall Out Boy scene and stuff like that, but uh, just for like the people that kind of grew up with Midtown, I think they've grown away from Gabe Saporta. Yeah. And I kind of view Gabe Saporta as like the original Nate Roos and like with format yeah. and then fun. And that, um, you know, he did the Midtown thing. He seemed really annoyed that Midtown could never break through and kind of cross over. And so in order to like stick it to the man, Cobra Starship is formed and they're like a total pop dance outfit. Um, and they get huge on the radio. It, like Cobra Starship has always felt, and I'm not trying to say like Gabe Spar doesn't care about like artistic integrity or something, but I'm just saying that uh, for him, Cobra Starship almost felt like a way to kind of like stick it to everyone of like, yeah, see, you know, I am talented. I can cross over and I could be like totally off on that, but that's kind of always the vibe I've gotten from it. 
Yeah, I, I don't really mind. Like, I love Cobra Starship. I uh, really like them, actually. But I think the biggest thing for me is just the fact that between Cobra and Midtown, uh, just the vocals are so different. Like, you can, yeah. if you listen to Midtown, you almost can't hear the current Gabe in it. Right. And uh, vice versa. Like, even just seeing style, it's such a different thing. Like, it's hard to really put the two bands together. Right. And uh, so the weird thing again um it, from from what anyone can tell it looks like this midtown reunion like the seosan reunion is going to be one show and then they're done um so were you hoping for more or were you just happy to even see it happen honestly i'm happy to see it happen i i think it'd be really nice to get another album from the band or something like that but honestly i think they've more or less kind of fizzled out like that scene itself, the uh, drive-through, the golden drive-through era is like legendary for uh, a lot of people. It's my favorite time of music personally, but just uh, the way that Midtown started going with our last album in 2004, it was shifting away from just like the classic pop punk sound, and it has like the the early hints of what Cobra Starship would be, but not a lot. And it's just, I think if they since it's been a decade, if they'd sat down to write a new album together, I don't know what it would sound like at all, to be completely honest. So I don't know if it would be a good or a bad thing if they would come back for a new record. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and I, I think you could probably almost make the same argument for Seosan, although um, I, I feel like, Ant because um, it's, I guess it's kind of similar. Anthony Green has done a completely different thing than Seosan and his time away from that band. Um, and so you feel like he would have like a lot of really good ideas for a post-hardcore project like Seosin. Um, But one of the things that was said in the interview with Chris was that um, like it was actually a concern, I guess, for them that they wouldn't be able to, in his words, recapture the magic of that original release and that it would fall flat or something. Um, I'm personally of the mindset that like any Seosin is good Seosin at this point, like for fans, <laughs> you know what I mean? But um, I, yeah. I guess I can understand them not wanting to like tarnish that mystique or whatever. Um, but you know, it is what it yeah. is. Yeah. Well, I think I, I understand where they're coming from with that interview, but honestly, I think one of the things that maybe it feels like they're taking for granted is just how good and how versatile Anthony Green's become. Like, yeah. I honestly don't know that much about Seosin. I've listened to um, some of their songs on one of their albums, and like they're very good musicians, but Anthony Green is so diverse with uh, Circus Survive and even his solo work. Just it, as long as they had the musicianship to really back up the record, I think Green would be able to bring uh, the magic to it. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, that the guys in Seosin are all incredible musicians. I mean, they, they came at a time before now where like, you know, a group of high school kids can get signed and suddenly put out a record and maybe, or maybe not be able to play their instruments like live. That's not Seosin. <laughs> yeah. Like these guys are like all professional musicians and really good at what they do. Um, so I would completely trust them to be able to pull it off. So, but one thing I, I wanted to bring up and get your opinion on, um, you know, there's always the ideas about, or, you know, talks about fan entitlement and that, you know, fans are entitled. They, and because we live in the social media era where we're able to interact with bands, like we feel we get more of an investment. And so we're actually upset or hurt when the band doesn't do things the way we want them to. 
And I'm, I'm actually affirm, like I affirm that I am not huge on fan entitlement. The thing that bothers me about the Seosin deal is that it feels like everyone was led along for so long. New music is coming. New music is coming. Just wait, just wait. It's coming. And then it didn't. And I feel let down by that. And I understand that like they have the right to do whatever they want. I'm not going to like, you know, force them to put out new music or get really pissed off that they didn't or tell them how I think they should do things. But I feel like as a fan, I have the right to feel kind of bummed out by the way that went down. And um, so it's kind of a a thin uh, line in the sand there of, you know, where it becomes an entitlement issue and where it just becomes like, I'm a human who really cares about the art of this band. And so I don't, I don't know. What's, what is your take on that stuff? Well, fan entitlement's a really hard thing to do to deal with, because um, it's definitely a real thing. But the problem is, when you become so invested in a band and stuff like that, it stops. It almost stops being about the aesthetic of the art of the band, and it becomes a group collective between the fans and the band themselves. So, I like just from kind of being aware of the scene. I know Sayasin have been around, and for like last few years, they've just been kind of like yeah, we're working on something, something's coming, and nothing ever came of it. And in a way, they owe that to the people that were following them for all that time. Like, to just end it, I can understand it's for um, the aesthetics of art and stuff like that, but if you have the fan base that is really uh, waiting and hoping for something like that, no matter what it is, you almost kind of owe it to them to just, if nothing else, put out a B-side album or something like that. Just something to just say goodbye and just say, like, Thank you for staying with us. Here you go. It's just, when it gets that far along, it almost stops being about the art of the band and more just kind of, uh, it becomes something that everyone's invested in at that point. Yeah. I And I think that um, I, I don't buy into, if they did anything, it would tarnish their status, um, who they are. Um, I think that they've done that. I think that who Seosin is, like everybody gets it. It's they are who they are. And I think at this point it would just be icing on the cake. I don't think it would ruin anything. But no, that's well, just to even go along with that point, um, as you know, one of my all time favorite bands is uh, the Chicago Outfit Lucky Boys Confusion. And uh, they just they more or less disbanded in like 2007 or so. But they came together in 2009, put out one last album of B sides called Closing Arguments. And that was the last thing they put out. And since then, they just kind of do sporadic shows together. Like, all the members have gone to their different uh, their different ways. They have day jobs. They have their own bands and stuff now that they do. And they come, Lucky Boys comes back and then just plays a one-off show here and there. And uh, since they've disbanded, like, their crowd following hasn't gone anywhere. They did, I've been to at least half a dozen shows. And every time I go, it's always sold out, no matter what the venue is. And, uh... They just announced last week that given the support they've had for like the last four years, they're coming together and they're going to write a new album. So it's just one of those things that when you have that fan base following you, you know, you can do what you want for the, uh, you know, for the sake of art, but you still have that support following you. And I think after a while, there's a good chance it catches up to you at some point and you just, you come back to do what you need to for those people. Yeah, I think that's actually a good analogy. Lickle Boy's Confusion is one of those bands like they have a fan base, like because in today's scene, um, I'm trying to even think of a band off the top of my head that has like a fan base and those fans are invested in that one band because there's so many 
similar bands like in this scene now that people kind of listen to everything but in the past there's been bands like and Seosin is one like they're Seosin fans like they don't necessarily like go crazy about other a lot of other bands but Seosin like that's the band they follow Lucky Boys Confusion is a band like that they have a, like a core group of people that are really in, invested in their music so yeah that's one of the things I've noticed the most about like the difference between like bands that came out maybe like even five years ago or so when uh, the bands are coming out now, like a lot of those older bands that have a few CDs out, they actually have, you know, a hardcore base, even I say this and they've got two albums out and a few EPs, I believe. Yeah. Like they, they have that following and a lot of the bands just now getting into the scene, you have a lot of, it seems like there's a lot of cherry picking with their uh, songs where you have, they'll have a few, like, I guess you'd call them hits and stuff like that. But no one's really there for that band, more or less. It's just they're a part of the scene, and no one's following them closely. Or at least I haven't seen that for the most part for a lot of new bands. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I've been, the whole time I've been sitting here trying to rack my brain for like the best example of like a recent band that has that, and I really can't think of one. <laughs> um, mm. So yeah, the, so the other interesting thing about Skate and Surf Fest, there's you know you can buy weekend passes right now, um, and Saturday night the headliners are Seosin and Midtown. Sunday, the headliners are Midtown and question mark, question mark, question mark. Like the, they haven't said who the other headlining band is, and oh my um, which is really weird. And a lot of people are speculating brand new, of course, because anytime there's question marks, people yeah. insert brand new in there. And it very well may be. I have no clue. Um, but I basically I was reading an interview where they're basically saying like, look, Midtown is playing for the final time in New Jersey, and they're not the main band that night. If that tells you anything, so it's kind of like okay, well who the heck is this which is real interesting because and the other crazy thing we had um we were writing back and forth about this monday afternoon after these announcement ha- announcements had happened uh, my chemical romance was releasing their final song um and the first track off their greatest hits album called fake your death and immediately people started freaking out like oh whoa you know because of the title of the song it was like oh maybe they didn't actually break up maybe this is something that they're doing and um it doesn't appear that that would be the case but i, I think if my chemical romance um, would have like been like, hey, hey, we're just joking, we're back. Like it probably would have broke the internet or something. Pretty much, and I, I still have some harsh feelings about the way that ended too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just, uh, you know, the um, shit, uh, the series of songs they put out at the beginning of last year. They were they were w- fantastic. They were wonderful, and it's just when that ended, we were all. I think we were all waiting for like some type of announcement of like they're writing for the next album and stuff. And instead they just announced out of nowhere. Yeah. We're just done. <laughs> yeah. Gerard was like, we had an emergency off switch and uh, we decided to hit it. So serial. And uh, it's just, I think that when no one wants to believe it just for how quickly it happened. Yeah. And for the fact that their final song is fake your own death is just, that's just nothing but a cock tease. It's yeah. so, like people are just waiting for just one of the members to be like, yeah, we're just kidding. Here we are. But yeah. well, I mean, it, yeah, that was I mean, that was one of the most shocking breakup announcements I can remember. Like, I still remember the night that came out and everybody was like, wait, whoa, wait, wait what? Um, so yeah. and even but, Mike Kim is one of those bands that's big enough. It almost isn't about them anymore. If nothing else, like I feel like they should have had some type of small like farewell tour or something this is me talking in a perfect world and being romantic about it, but it, it's just, that one was hard to deal with. Yeah. 
But, you know, I've read a lot of interviews with Gerard, and I mean, he seems like he always talks about it in the past tense. Like, he seems totally like a guy that's like, yeah, that was a thing that happened, and it's over now. Um, yeah. So I, I really, it was hard for me to believe that there was going to be some sort of weird announcement. And then Mikey Way is on the going to be on the cover of the new Alternative Press, um, because he's got a new band now, and they're going to be releasing music in a week or two. So um, it, it seems that it's pretty much over. But. Yeah. So, um, moving on from Skate and Surf Fest, um, that we just talked about for quite a while, um, we had some pretty big reviews, um, of some albums on itsalldead.com this week. And, um, the reason that's, we're even going to talk about is because two of the album reviews we put up for albums that came out on Tuesday were two albums that were in our top 10 most anticipated of the year, um, issues self-titled and then we are the in crowd, um, weird kids. And I, I'm actually going to start with we are the in crowd and here's why. I listened to that album and my initial reaction was, "Uh Oh, this sounds just like the debut. This is like their debut part two, which I felt that they couldn't afford to let that happen. And I told you to check it out. See if you want to write a review. I read your review and you gave it 4.5 out of five. And I was, I couldn't believe it. I was like, what, what did I not hear? And so I went back and I've been listening to it some more and it's grown on me. I don't think I like it as much as you do. Um, but I, I, it is a, it's a little better than their debut to me. Um, but I, here's your chance to go ahead and, uh, for anyone that hasn't read the review, go ahead and give your defense of weird kids and uh, why you love it. Well, honestly, when I wrote it, I'd listened to the album twice and I put the review together and put it up. And since then I've kind of, I almost feel like I gave it a little too much credit, if that makes sense. Um, like for what it's worth, I've listened to best intentions and it was good, but it just, I don't know. I had nothing. It just didn't catch on to me at all. And uh, the thing about Weird Kids is just, uh, for whatever reason, it hit me really, really good for what it was. Like, it's not. They got rid of a lot of. I don't, I'm trying to think of the best way to put this. Uh, it wasn't what I was expecting from them. Just from what I had with uh, Best Intentions, and just, I don't know. I felt like that was lackluster. And Weird Kids was just really good pop songs put together. And I really enjoyed just the flow of it and stuff like that. And what really kept hitting me is just the fact that it caught me in a way that when I finished listening to it and it was just kind of quiet for the first time, I was just really, really happy with it. And the last time I really remember having an album like that was listening to the Academy Is Is Almost Here for the first time. Yeah. And you just sit back and you're just like, wow, that was fucking amazing. Yeah, and I'll tell you this. <laughs> in the review, you compared it to the academy is almost here and as i was going through the review like i i had to i just leaned back in my chair and just stopped for a minute because um almost here um is one of my favorite albums of all time and um i i was i was stunned i was stunned that you went there <laughs> but you did and um i and i do i as i've been listening to it again i can kind of see what you're saying um i still to, here's the difference to me here's why i i that comparison doesn't hold up for me um Weird Kids has grown on me. It's it's better to me than it was when I first listened to it. And there's some good songs in there. Attention's a good song. And there's actually a song on um, Almost Here called Attention, um, Dreaming Out Loud. There's some good tracks on there. Um, and it is a step up from their debut. But Almost Here, um, while they might may be similar in style, there was like a, that was a debut album that came out of nowhere. And there was like this raw energy, like this urgency, like all through that record, you can feel the Academy is, is like just grabbing you by the collar and like forcing you to like pay attention to them. 
And that's the feeling I had like when I listened to that album for the first time, which I didn't get from Weird Kids. Like it, it's more polished. It feels more like they've grown in their songwriting, but it still feels a little formulated to me. I, I didn't necessarily sense that urgency. Um, but but again, it, it, it's better than I originally gave it credit for. Oh yeah, and like like I said, I think I gave it too much credit at the time. If I wrote it now, honestly, I'd bump it to at least a four, if not maybe a three point five. But I'd probably go with a four with it. And it's just like it it's not as good as the Academy is. It really isn't. But it's just one of those things that just the way the songs flowed, it I honestly loved it. Like when I listened to it, and um, it it's it is really hard to defend to be completely honest with you because. Lyrically, it's just average. Like it sits in with everything else that's out there at the moment. But yeah. uh, just the presentation of it was really, really good. Like um, a lot of the, just uh, I feel like I am trapped for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> no, it's just uh, like the the songwriting I thought was really well. And I was listening to the uh, tracks one by one, just kind of going down, seeing if there is something that I would ever feel like I would skip if I listened to the album as a whole and I couldn't come up with one. It was just one of those, it's one of those albums that I feel like if I put in the CD player, it will not come out. So let's ask this then, because I think we are the in crowd is a, a band that people have kind of felt was on, on the cusp of like breaking through and being like a lot bigger than they are. Um, and uh, whether that means break, I, you know, I don't think there's room on the radio for, a rock band um, unless you're like Paramore or fallout boy. Um, so I, I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to bring up the chance of them being something like that. But do you feel like there's a chance of them being like, you know, like an all time low sort of band in this scene? Like, do you feel like this album gets them to that point where you could see that happening? Yes, very much so. Um, if nothing else, I feel like it's a very easy jumping in point for anyone like me who hasn't really listened to the band before. And that might be a part of it too. It's just, I didn't have that high of an expectation for them whatsoever uh, going into it. And I think that might be part of it. They just really surprised me with it. Yeah. And it seems, it seems like one of those albums that if given the chance, it could blow up on the radio. It's just uh, whatever the station might be or the song. I don't know. I don't know that much about the radio. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. I mean, well, so we'll have to wait and see. Um, but yeah, um, if nothing else, Hopeless Records um, is a just a, it's probably the best label in the scene right now as far as just oh, without uh, a doubt. They, quality. So yeah, Hopeless right now has literally every band I listen to. Yeah. Um, and so the, another big release for us this week, and that was also on our most anticipated was Issues. Um, it was their self-titled uh, full length debut and I reviewed it. And um, I ended up giving it a three out of five um, because I and I, th I ended the review by saying it's it's either a good, bad album or a bad, good album. Um, and but here's the funny thing. I've listened to that album more than anything this week. Like I, I just I keep listening to it um, and I but I still stand by what I said. I still think it's probably a three out of five, maybe um, because it's so. <laughs> It's really scatterbrained. It's extremely cheesy in a lot of points. Some of the lyrics are like painfully, like cringeworthy bad, but it is so catchy. Like I know that I'm going to be listening to this album this summer and just listening to it while I drive and stuff. It's not like speaking to my soul or anything or changing the way that I view music, but it, it's a fun album. I mean, I, I'll say that. Um, what were your thoughts on some of what you've listened to? 
I wasn't really that impressed with it, to be honest. And just a couple of things with it is, one, it's just the uh, style of hard rock it is, is just not really my scene, to be honest. And also, when I started up uh, the first track, Sad Ghost, and it had that new metal as like the opening uh, guitar right. riff, I was just like, ah, oh, shit, this is going to go well. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's too all over the place. Like, I like the fact that they were exploring a bunch of different genres and they all mix together, but there's there's just too much. Like, you have the new metal guitar riffs, there's like hip hop and uh, rapping, and then there's this weird Sonic the Hedgehog style like techno in the background of some songs <laughs> and I feel like if they got rid of the new metal maybe it would be really really good as like a weird pop album yeah but uh it's... yeah I just listened to it and I was like oh Jesus <laughs> yeah so that's that's the funny thing about it is that if you take that stuff out then they're just another metalcore band um but having it in there also makes it really confusing because that album is really scatterbrained. Like you go from song to song to song and it changes. And it there's like, it's one of those things, um, one, the way I described it in the review, there's too many cooks in the kitchen. Like there's just, they're trying to do too many things and it just doesn't work a lot of times. Um, but the, the points that it does work is really catchy. And it's usually not like the heavy new metal parts. It's where Tyler Carter is just like singing and it's almost like a pop song. That's when they're at their best to me. Um, and yeah, I like, uh, sorry, they'd be, uh, he'd just be singing naturally and I'd be really getting into it. And then it would just change tracks all out of nowhere and just go back to the new metal with like screamy, uh, vocals. And it would just take me out of the song entirely. Yeah. Um, I, I agree completely. Those are my same gripes with it. Um, I, I think Tyler Carter is a great vocalist. Um, I know that after he left what was me and he had a short little stint there where it looked like he was going to try and be a pop or R and B artist. And then issues happened. Um, and truth be told, I think issues is going to be huge in this scene. Um, they're on warp tour this year. I think people see a lot of kids seem to love it. And I think that, uh, they're going to be like that band, um, but you know, it's hard to see going forward, like what they're going to do because they can't just, they can't put out another album like that. They're going to have to like pick something and, and do that. Um, that's really the only way the band's going to like exist <laughs> going forward. So yeah, this might be just awful of me to say, but I honestly feel like just what I've listened to so far and what I've seen of issues, I almost feel like they're going to be in constant battling for me with a uh, falling in reverse as like the shittiest band I've ever listened to. <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious. I've actually seen a couple people online compare it to that. And I hate falling in reverse. I don't know what it, well, I know what it is. I like, I like Tyler, Tyler Carter's voice. I like him as a singer. Um, and there oh, are yeah, moments he's... on the album that they kind of pull it all together. Like these, there's these flashes of moments where it just all comes together and it works. And they, I, it's clear they're a guilty pleasure band for me. And I hate that term because it's like, you know, what does that even mean? But they're, they're yeah, that band that I realize like, isn't like aesthetically good, but I still am probably going to listen to them sometimes. So, yeah. And honestly, I can see myself listening to them at some point too. And like I said, they have some really, really good parts of the songs. It's just, I've, I've listened to the first eight tracks or so. I haven't had a chance to like finish it. And just of those eight, there's not one that I can say I, I really, really like. But within those, there's like a choruses and stuff like that and bridges where I'm just like, that was amazing. And then they'll just shit all over it. And yeah. Just ruin the song. yeah, that's understandable. 
So those are two reviews, and I, I wanted to just uh, we had another review this week that you put up for Bayside's new album Colt. I wondered um, if you for just a minute would talk about that album because um, I know you liked it as well, and, and you're a Bayside fan. So if you could kind of give a little synopsis of what you thought about that. Oh yeah, um, for me personally, I think this is the best album they've ever put out. Uh, I've been following Bayside since I think about 2006 or so. They're pretty new to the scene at the time or uh, they might have had an album out or something like that, but they're one of those bands that I've liked and I've followed for a really long time, but I've never been able to like really listen to one of their albums all the way through. It's one of those where I personally have to kind of go through their albums, just pick out the songs I really, really like, and um, they're amazing musicians. They're really good songwriters. It's just I've never felt like they've had the whole package together, and uh, the thing about Cole is I... I felt like they personally uh, finally got it together and they have a solid album that came out and it's everything about them that's uh, good. It's just the best songwriting. They have some amazing guitar solos. They throw guitar solos everywhere in the album and it never feels uh, hacky or out of place or like there should be too many. It's just, it sounds good. And um, the vocals are amazing. It's, uh, I forget can't think of a singer's name at the moment, but Anthony he's Ranieri. pushing himself on a, I'm sorry. Anthony yeah, Anthony, that's it. And uh, <laughs> I, you realize I am not repeating it because I'm still self-conscious. Um, <laughs> he's pushing himself on every song he does. And it's one of the, it's just, they really pulled no punches on this one. And I was really proud of him for that. Yeah. And so one of the things about Bayside, they're on a, a, a different level than the other bands that um, we've been talking about tonight and that they've been around. They're really good musicians. Um, they're not huge. They're, like Bayside is probably as big as they're going to get. Like they are who they are. But the thing is about that band, like even if you don't listen to them, like everybody respects the hell out of that band. Like they have been through some serious stuff and have oh, like yeah. stepped they've kept going. They never, you know, I mean, they've, they, they could have just stopped and, uh, multiple times and nobody would have blamed them, but they've, they've kept forging ahead. And um, I, I've never heard anyone say anything bad about Bayside. Like I'm sure there's somebody out there that's like, Oh, Bayside sucks. But I, I've never seen it personally. Like everybody respects them. Oh yeah. And I feel like that's one of the hidden tragedies about them. Just the fact that they're not that big of a band, but at the same time, they're well enough known that they can basically play almost anywhere they want to but they're low enough on the scale of the scene where it's just, they have a really intense following that goes after them. And uh, it, they're, they're almost like AFI where they're not really mainstream, but the people that follow them fucking follow them. Yeah, that's true. So that uh, is Bayside's Colt. And then the last thing we'll talk about uh, just for a minute, um, Chiodos released another new track. They've, they've uh, since the last time we talked, they've officially announced the album devil. It comes out April 1st. Um, and they've released a couple uh, songs and, you know, in typical Chiodos form, uh, the two songs, Old Fish Lips is Dead Now and Why the Monsters Matter. Um, absolutely miserable song titles. Um, but it's, <laughs> uh, you know, it's to me, it's sounding like the old Chiodos. I, um, it's, I've enjoyed them. Um, I haven't really thought like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. This is so different. It's kind of like, oh, this is Chiodos with Craig Owens again. Um, so that that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, I'll be interested to hear, see what the... Uh, whole album sounds like yeah i i'm really curious to see how it'll sound as a whole and um like you said it, it's not like they're really pushing boundaries or anything like that but 
it's a really, really good return to form. Like, just from what we've heard so far, it might be one of the best comebacks in terms of where they left off with the Bone Palace, uh, or, yeah, Bone Palace Parade, whatever. Bone Palace Ballet. I haven't listened to that thing for like four years. <laughs> uh, where they left off with that album, it seems like they picked right up where they uh, ended, and it doesn't seem like, um, just from what they put out so far, it doesn't seem like they're having trouble like reconnecting to each other. Yeah, and they're a I band know it that took has a long a... time. Sorry. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> like, I know it. I know it took them a long time to put the album out, but um, like what they've written, it sounds like they're right back in the groove of it. Yeah, and they're another band that has a really uh, a pretty substantial fan base, and a lot of people that are really stoked to have Craig Owens back in the band. So um, I, I don't think they're going to have any problem, you know, still uh, drawing people to the shows. And I, I think the record will sell well as well. So, uh, but we will see what it uh, sounds like when it comes out. And of course, when that time comes, you can be looking out for a review of it on itsalldead.com. So that's kind of all we got for now. Uh, we appreciate you listening to us chat um and kyle thanks again for coming on yes sir and that'll do it for uh the official it's all dead podcast number four so until next time um we'll catch you then thanks for listening to the official it's all dead podcast you can download our podcast at itunes and find exclusive music news and content at www.itsalldead.com